Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 at Houston and the Locked On SEC podcast. And Gordy, as always, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon, man? Yeah, good, John. And uh, kind of sucks, you know, looking at the schedule and looking and seeing all we have is Army Navy this coming Saturday. My uh, my weekend's opened up here for a little bit. Now I'm going to have to, you know, have like weekend trips to Home Depot and Bed Bath and Beyond and stuff like that now. Yeah, sounds riveting. But at least you have this week <laughs> to react to a lot of the things like the college football playoff four. So we'll just start right there. Did they get it right? I mean, that's really what the question comes down to. Did they get it right? Is this the way it needs to be? And are you satisfied with the results of who's going to be in the playoff this year? Yeah, I'll put it this way. Like, me personally, I'm I'm fine with the four teams. Um, we knew it was going to be a difficult decision. We were saying that on, on Friday going into Saturday. And, you know, I, I kept saying, you know, if Alabama does the impossible, this thing is going to get real hairy. And that's exactly what happened. Um, did they get it right? I think the answer to that is depends on who you ask. Uh, you know, if you ask an Alabama fan, they say damn right. Uh, if you ask a Texas fan, they say absolutely. If you ask a Florida State fan, they say hell no. And it's uh, it's unfortunate, man. I mean, you know, we we never this thing's always kind of figured itself out, right? Like we've always kind of had teams take losses at inopportune times, and it's it's always kind of worked itself out. And this year it didn't. And I, I can understand the frustration from Florida State. And it brings up a lot of questions, you know. Like, the, the, the tough part is, like, the committee pinning it on Jordan Travis's injury is just a convenient excuse for them, right? Like, they were sitting in that room Sunday morning going, what the hell are we going to do? And the best excuse they could come up for was, well, hey, in our bylaws, instead of any key player gets hurt, we can knock you for that. So it, it, was, it was the right excuse at the right time for them. But it is kind of BS because a week ago they put Florida State fourth in their top four. And if that injury to Jordan Travis was such a big deal yesterday, why was it not a bigger deal a week ago when you ranked them fourth? So I think they just looked at it and said Alabama beating Georgia. It's it's big, bad Alabama. It's Nick Saban and Greg Sankey glaring at us from across the room. And, uh, you know, and the SEC champ has never not made it. I think they were pressured by that. I, you know, I say this as a guy who hosts Locked On SEC. I would have been fine had they left Alabama out. I, I would have been fine if they had gone Michigan, Washington, Texas, Florida State because of the head-to-head. The Texas versus Alabama head-to-head had to matter. And Alabama losing that, losing that game by 10 at home in Tuscaloosa, I, I thought I, I would have been fine with Texas in and Bama out. And, and I just I, – I, I get why they – kept Florida State out. I just I don't like it. I mean, thirteen and zero, undefeated, with a week one win over the the guy who's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy, Jaden Daniels. Um, you know, now Jaden Daniels and LSU got better as the year went along. That's great. Um, but you know, Alabama's using that same excuse. We're not the same team we were in September. Okay, great. You want a cookie? Like that's not how this works. It's it's full resume. It's full complement of a season. And, you know, I frankly think Georgia has a has an argument. I mean, you're telling me it doesn't matter if you lose an early season game. It matters if you lose at the end of the season. You know, it doesn't matter who you lose to. It matters when you lose is what they're saying. You know, so Alabama, yeah, you got your brains beaten by double digits by Texas early in the year. But, 
man, by the end of the year, you were really hemming, you know, really humming along and looked great in the win over Georgia. I just, uh, I just thought Georgia, like, hey, we lo- we lost by three uh, for our first loss in almost three years. Like, how do we not get a little bit of a pass? And you drop them from one to six. Like, how do you drop from one to six on a three-point loss in your first loss of the season when you're being in? You you now join the pool of one-loss team. That just seems crazy, but even more reason why we're going to 12 and why this stupid 14 playoff was, was dumb to begin with. Well, what happened here, Chris, is they were depending on Georgia to win that game, so the fix was in once Alabama won. They were either wanting a Florida State loss or a Florida State close game. They got a Florida State close game, probably not as close as what they wanted, but then if, if they decided to put Georgia in, that would have left out another conference champ, which, you know, Georgia – Maybe they were deserving because of the season that they had, but if you're talking about leaving out not only one but two conference champions, you know it's already a big controversy with the one conference champ, but if you do it with two of them, especially in this last season before going to 12, that becomes an even bigger problem. Well, and if Georgia had won, then the debate goes to who would have been four, undefeated Florida State or one lost Texas who had one of the best wins, resume wins of the season that win at Alabama. So, you know, it's just, it, it would have been a debate there. Um, you know, you, you, we might be talking, if Georgia wins, maybe we're talking about Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, and maybe they do put Florida State at four. And maybe we have an uproar in, in Austin today and all the Longhorn fans saying, well, what the hell, man? You know, yeah, we lost the, on a last-minute drive to Oklahoma, but we beat Alabama. We won the Big 12, and we beat you know, I think Texas had, what, four or five top 25 wins on the year? I mean, they had a great resume, too. So, it didn't matter. I mean, you, somebody was going to left, be left on the outside looking in. But, um, you know, look, they, they did the best they could, and uh, now you move on. But I, I just – somebody brought up the idea. Jared Burst was considered a, a first-round pick a year ago. He, he forewent the draft, got an NIL deal, came back to school, and said, I want to play for a national championship. And – Jared Burst laid it all out there. Uh, he, you know, undefeated season for Florida State. That guy did everything that was asked of him. And at the end of the day, a bunch of people in a committee room said, nope, not good enough. I mean, that's, it's heartbreaking for those kind of kids. So we're Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. So, Gordy, now that we know it is set, though, you know, nothing can be done about it. These are the four teams. Just how do you feel like this is going to play out? It seems like the – the betting favorites of what people are mostly seeing is seeing a Texas and Alabama rematch in the title game. Do you see it that way playing out? And just what do you think of these semifinal games? Yeah, I, I still like, look, credit to Alabama. They played their asses off on Saturday. They look like the more hungry teams. Like, I couldn't get over how lackadaisical Georgia looked. Georgia looked like a deer in headlights. Like, I, I haven't seen Georgia look like that in three years. Um, it was just absolutely fascinating how Alabama just outplayed them, looked like the hungrier team. Um, you know, but I still think Alabama's got their flaws. Like, their offensive line has been good, not great this year. Milrow has played pretty decent. Um, you know, he's had some really good games. He's had some very bad moments as well. Uh, obviously, you know, it's funny. He was named the SEC M- the MVP of the SEC championship game, but go look at his set box score. It wasn't all that great. Like, his, his completion percentage, I mean, like, he made some, you know, plays with his legs when he needed to, but, like, he didn't, like, he didn't look at the box score and went, wow, that guy played his butt off. Like, it was fine. Um, 
I think Michigan is a really good team. The way Michigan runs the football, Blake Corm has been outstanding. Uh, this is going to be a big game for J.J. McCarthy to, to, to show what he can do with his arm because I do think Bama's M.O. is going to be to load the box and slow down Corm and take him away. But we'll know very early on in that game. If Corm is getting the ball and gashing Alabama for four or five yards of carry, I think Michigan's got a, got a chance of that. And I, I was actually – I'm pretty shocked that Michigan is still the favorite. I get they're the one seed. Uh, but I thought, you know, the, the betting public would go, oh, it's Nick Saban in a, in a playoff. Of course, we're always going to side with him. But this is one of those years, like, Bama played their, played their ass off against Georgia. But lest we forget about eight days ago, they needed a prayer and a miracle at Auburn to get a win there. I mean, that, that's another thing, too, is if, if Auburn just plays any better defense on that fourth and goal from the 31, we're not even talking about Alabama in this, in this situation. So, uh, just because Alabama punched their ticket doesn't mean all their warts are gone. So I, I think I think Michigan. Look, Alabama's going to be the trendy pick. But I think Michigan's absolutely got the horses. That that defense is legit. The run game's legit. Their offensive line is one of the best in the country. So I think Michigan's got a chance. And I just think as good of a story as Washington and Michael Penix have been, I think Sark's on a mission, man. I mean, they they really have been. Quinn Ewers has played great this year. Obviously, missed some time with the injury. They lose their starting running back. It hasn't seemed to matter. They just keep coming at you. Uh, their defense has been really good, but but they can outscore you, man. I, I think that one's going to be a score fest. But I, I know a lot of Longhorn fans that are making that trek from Texas over to New Orleans, and I think Texas is going to win it. And look, they have they have motivation too, right? The championship game is here in Houston, where I live, and there are a ton of Longhorn fans here. They they cannot wait. Their path to a national championship for the first time, you know, since the Colt McCoy days is winning a game in New Orleans and winning a game in Houston, like, they, they are absolutely, uh, you know, chopping it a bit to get there. So, as fun as it would be to be an Alabama-Texas rematch, um, a Michigan-Texas championship would be just as fun. From that SEC championship game, were you more impressed with Alabama's offense, the way they were able to control the game? And it seemed like they were able to score pretty um, easily early in that game. But their defense has has uh, carried them all season, and uh, you know their defense looked good for the most part until later in the game. Yeah, I just I, I thought it was their defense. I mean, you know, Bama was still three for thirteen on on third down. The offense still wasn't all that great. They put up three hundred yards of offense. I mean, Alabama did enough offensively of what they needed to do. But I just thought the Bama defense. I mean, Georgia's offense has been really good all year long. I, I was so complimentary of Carson back all year. Uh, you know, I had him listed as my dark horse Heisman contender. I thought he had a chance to really wow folks. But I think the injuries to their big offensive weapons hurt them. I thought they were too reliant on Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers on Saturday when neither of those, clearly neither of those guys were 100%. Ladd McConkey kept lifting off the field. Brock Bowers got hit in the, in the wide open field and couldn't break away like we've seen so many times before. Uh, those guys were slowed, and I thought that cost them. I, I, if I'm Kirby, I would not have, you know, like I would have gone another route. You go in and get Dominic Lovett, the best receiver from Missouri a year ago, and Rara Thomas, the best receiver from Mississippi State a year ago, and then you barely use those guys this year. I mean, it, you know, would Dominic Lovett have, like 20, 30 yards receiving? Like, I would have went to those guys and, and tried to move the ball a little bit more down the field. They kept going to the run game, and I'm like, guys, Bama is those linebackers are heat-seeking missiles saying we are going to slow down and, and, and hit Kendall Milton or Dejon Edwards every time they touch the football. And yet Kirby ran it 31 times for 78 yards. Like, I just thought that was a game they needed to lean on Carson Beck in the passing game. 
and, and lean on your other big-time pass catchers, not just Brock Bowers and Lyle McConkey. But, um, yeah, I, I, to, to put it bluntly, I was really I was really surprised by Alabama's defense. I thought they played like that. So we hear so much about the eye tests with these championship games. Who had the most impressive win? Who looked most impressive? Was it Michigan, Texas, Washington, Bama? Um, I mean, Washington had the had the most impressive win, right, over over Oregon. I mean, all this talk of uh, how great Bo Nix has been, and yeah, we know we beat they beat him earlier in the year. Yeah, we know Washington's undefeated, but we're still going to take all Oregon as a ten point favorite or a nine point favorite, whatever it was by kickoff. Like that, just I couldn't believe everybody just kept like disrespecting Washington all season long, and they went out there and they played their bucks off, and and they literally took Bo Nix out of the Heisman competition. I mean, now, now Jaden Daniels at LSU is the, the Heisman odds favorite because of what Washington's defense did to him. So, to me, that was that was probably the most – I mean, again, Alabama, what they did to Georgia was, was definitely among the most impressive. But Washington going out there and having to beat a team twice. Trying to beat a team twice in the same season is so hard. I, I, thought, that, I thought Washington had the most impressive win of the weekend. Well, you kind of allude to what my question was going to be, Gordy, of uh, your Heisman Trophy favor right now, because yeah, all the odds makers are saying it's Jaden Daniels. Is it Jaden Daniels is to lose, or do you think that there could be somebody that could uh, sneak up and get all the voters uh, a little bit to sway their way? Well, I've heard some people say that they may, you know, that people maybe were going to go if if you had a Bo Nix vote, that you might be swayed now to swing it over to Michael Penix. And look, all three guys are deserving. I don't think you can take much away from them. But I will say, I watched that Washington-Arizona State game around the middle of the season. Uh, Washington won that game 15-7, to and they didn't score a touchdown. I can't remember the last time a Heisman Trophy winner won a, won a Heisman and didn't score a touchdown in a game, particularly a quarterback, right? Like, it, if, you're, if, if it is such an individual award, Granted, you know, the, the wins are great, but it's an individual award. And say every week you brought your A game. That week against Arizona State, Michael Penix uh, threw no touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, you know, was sacked a couple times. Like, to me, that kind of – that's a blemish on the resume. Whereas Jaden Daniels, every single week he brought his A game. Every single week he was uh, doing something outstanding. And I think they said every time the, the, the ball touched his hand on a snap, LSU averaged 10, 10 yards a, a touch every time he touched the football. That's a first down every time the ball touched his hand. I think that kid deserves deserves the Heisman just just for the stats alone. You look at what he did this year. He was phenomenal. So throwing out the stats, though, and just by, once again, the eye test, is Jaden Daniels the best quarterback in the country? And, and we're not talking Heisman here. Just in your opinion, is he the best quarterback in the country? Uh, if we're just talking about college, like a college quarterback, like like with everybody, like if I put Jaden Daniels on every one of these other teams, does he instantly make them incredible? The answer is yes. Uh, the problem is with LSU, it's marred because LSU just had one of the most historically bad defenses they've ever had. I mean, it it was god awful. I don't know how Matt House is still employed by Brian Kelly. He's a he's a moron if he doesn't make a change because Matt House has been absolutely god awful, atrocious. When you let a third-string quarterback with an interim coach at Texas A&M move the ball up and down the field on you? Like, at what point does Brian Kelly wake up and go, hey, this guy freaking sucks. Fire his ass. Uh, it's atrocious for Jaden Daniels because he has been phenomenal, yet he's had the worst def- one of the worst defenses in the SEC this season, and 
again, I think that the eye test, you, you put Jaden Daniels in what he did this year with his arm and his leg. Because keep in mind, he's not just among, you know, number three in the whole country in passing yards. He's among the best rushers. You know, he's the best rushing quarterback as well, a thousand yards. He basically gave you the output of a starting running back on top of being an elite quarterback. Um, I think he, I think he improves the win total on any team he's on. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, I would say Jaden Daniels was the best college quarterback this year. What do you make of some of the portal moves so far today? You got Dylan Gabriel getting out of Oklahoma when he had such a, a stellar season, and then uh, you got a lot of other guys too, and we know that's going to happen. But between him and Kyle McCord, the Ohio State quarterback, uh, there's a lot of uh, big names that are going to be in the portal this year, and just amazing how two guys in those specific circumstances. Uh, really good teams, had really great years, probably are doing pretty well in NIL, I'd assume, but something is just not enough for them to want to move on and go somewhere else. Yeah, and, and it just changes the landscape of everything. Like Jeff Levy going to Mississippi State now, you know, the, the rumor is Gabriel will consider maybe even going to play for his former OC over at Mississippi State. If he does that, that makes Mississippi State that much more difficult. You know, because we all look at Mississippi State and go, oh, well, look, it'll take him some time there probably a transition year, uh, give him some time to get his players in there. You know, kind of like uh, Auburn was this year with, uh, with Hugh Freeze. But if Jeff Levy gets Dylan Gabriel over in the Starkville, that makes them a problem next year for, for a lot of teams. And I was looking it up. Unfortunately, they don't, they don't play Oklahoma next year. They, they get Texas. They have to go to Austin. But if you're Sarkeesian, that's a tough battle now. you got to go play a seasoned quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, Mississippi State, whereas maybe you were looking at that, at that game previously as an easy win. So, um, yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating, guys. I mean, wherever Will Anderson or, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, my guy Mississippi State, Will Rogers ends up, uh, wherever you know KJ does indeed. I don't know what what it's been. KJ's in the portal. He's not in the portal. He's in the portal. He's not in the portal. We'll see what happens there. Uh, obviously, there's been connections with Coach Loggins over at South Carolina. Um, you know, really the only the only quarterbacks we know about. You know, Milrow is probably gonna be back at Alabama, right? And then Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. And then uh, Graham Mertz announced he's coming back to Florida. Uh, I assume Brady Cook's going to stay put at Mizzou. We'll see what Carson Beck decides to do at Georgia. But really, this thing's wide open. I mean, we could over half the SEC could have new starting quarterbacks next year, and it's all because of the transfer portal. Chris, we have about 30 seconds left. Number one quarterback in the transfer portal. Who is it? Oh, gosh. I mean, everybody says it's Riley Leonard over there at Duke. But um, I don't know. I mean, you know. We'll, we'll see. I think there's still some more names to come, but uh, I like Leonard. I like uh, Gracie McCall at, at uh, Coastal Carolina. There, there should be some good names out there still to come. Like the Ohio State kid to put his name in. Like, what is that? Yeah, that's the thing is uh, we're not even done yet. I mean, we're just getting started in this portal season. So there's no telling the type of names that are going to get it thrown around. But it's any indication already, Gordy, it's going to be a wild one and should make us for some very interesting changes for some rosters and for some teams. But either way, man, hey, we appreciate you coming on with us. It's Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790 and the Locked on SEC podcast. Have a great uh, rest of your week, man, and uh, try to stay up on top of it because it's going to be a wild one. All right, you too, guys. Thanks.